Oh, it's one of my favorite things that we do in our church, the time to meet people and to say hello. We are so delighted you're worshiping with us today. Do me a favor, grab your worship guide, turn to the center. Many of you know the drill here on the inside cover. You get a letter from me telling you a little bit more about our church and some of the things that are available for you in the center. And the center is what truly spiritual people do on Sunday morning. They write down what the pastor says, all right? And so there's a place right in the middle for you to take some notes today. And so you can follow along there. And then also you'll notice two perforated cards in your worship guide. I want to draw your attention to them. One is called a connection card and one is a prayer card. And I want to encourage you in this season to make sure that you're connecting with the church family that's here and available for you. If you fill out the card, we always say around here, we give you the hassle-free guarantee. No one's going to show up at your house. No one will interrupt the Saints game. Come on, go Saints, everybody, right? I will send you a letter this week saying, thanks for visiting us. Thanks for checking out our church. And then the most important card on the bottom is your prayer request. Each week, our staff and our team, and we have a prayer small group that actually meets here on Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. How many of y'all know that's early, right? 6 a.m., we got people pacing this room holding your prayer cards, myself included, praying for you. And so at some point in the service, uh, near the end, if you would like, you take time to fill out the card and let us know what you're praying for in this season, because we still believe in a God who does miracles. Amen, everybody? He has not forgotten about you, your family, what you're going through. No, no, no. God is making a way for you even now. And so if you'll take time to put down what you're believing for, I actually think it's a step of faith to write it down on a card and say, God, would you do that? And so I want to encourage some of you to believe God for big things in this season. And so let's jump into the message. We've got a number of standalone messages in this, in this month. Last week, we kicked off Heart for the House, and you can be a part of Heart for the House the entire month of December. And so if you missed that, you can still give and be a part of that. Tonight's our serve team party. Anybody here from the serve team? Uh, well, a few, a few. That's tonight. And, and in case you're wondering, that's going to be fun. Next weekend, kids, takeover service. It's only going to be, it's only going to be one service that day. And so those of you who are here right now, you need to be prepared that next week this service will not be happening. Everything will be at 1030. Come on, look at your neighbor and say 1030. You get to sleep in. Come on, tell your second choice, you get to sleep in, all right? You get to sleep in. 10.30 next week, it's going to be one massive service, kids take over. We're going to have all of our kids. It's going to be a great time for awkward family photos, all right? That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a great day. And a few weeks ago, can I just tell you, a few weeks ago, as we were preparing for this season, there, there's usually a few mornings where I just wake up extremely early, and it's in those early, early mornings, as your pastor, I feel like the Lord speaks to me very, very clearly. And in the beginning of this month, we barely got to December 1, I had one of these very, very early mornings, and I just had this line going around in my head, just family awkwardness, and how this season... It just, it just feels awkward at times. And some people say, well, I, I get the word awkward, but what does it actually mean? So I'm going to define it for you to begin the message today. And I really believe if you open your heart, God is going to, to speak to you and bring some peace to some areas that have been really overwhelming. And maybe you're even feeling overwhelmed right now. I believe that the peace of God is going to go with you today in a tremendous way. So take some notes with me. Here, here's what the word awkward actually means. It means lacking skill grace or ease in movement. Does anybody know somebody like that? Come on. Uh, right now, right now, both of my children are lacking skill, grace, or ease in movement. They seem to run into everything. Uh, my son went to play with a friend this week and tra- tripped over what he called new grass, everybody. New grass. I thought all grass is basically new, okay? He's like, dad, it was new grass. And so he's got like seven band-aids on right now. Seven. 
He came over from a friend's, so that's my kid, okay? Lacking, well, I'm just kidding, I'm joking, all right? Uh, the, the, another definition is lacking social graces or manners. You might wanna just write Uncle Joe right there, okay? That's what I'm doing, right? Lacking social graces or manners. The third definition, this is a lengthy one when you go to dictionary.com. It means not well-planned or designed for easy or effective use. That's called Christmas dinner, all right? It's like we, we tried to put it together, but it didn't go the way we thought. Here's my last and my favorite definition. When I read this one, I laughed out loud. Requires caution, somewhat hazardous, and hard to deal with. Describe, <laughs> this describes my big Italian Catholic family to a T. Can I tell you? We've got family members that it requires caution to get around them. They're somewhat hazardous and hard, hard to deal with, all right? They just, they just are. And I thought this would be a funny way to kind of bring this to light because every one of us, every one of us feels the tension that comes with, uh, with seeing people that you've avoided for many, many months of the year. And there's this feeling of requirement that you have to go there and you have to be there. And I, and I understand all those things. And because of that, the pressure kind of builds in our lives. And so what I'm trying to do at the very beginning of this message is to help you to relax a little bit. Everybody take a breath with me because as soon as you feel the pressure, there's kind of like, uh, you know, well, Pastor, you're bringing up the thing that I'm most afraid about. What, here's the deal. I'm bringing it up so that we can open our hearts to let God do a work on the inside. And I also believe that laughter is like good medicine, right? I believe that, that laughter helps you to kind of relax a bit so that the Holy Spirit can actually do in your life what he wants to do. And so in my research this week and in my research of awkwardness and awkward family photos, I actually discovered a site called awkwardfamilyphotos.com where people submit real photos of their family. If yours ends up on screen, I'm sorry, you submitted it. But I love this first one, throw it up there, guys. This is my favorite, this is the first one that came up, and I don't know if you can see it, but it looks like Santa had a little too much, everybody. <laughs> I actually had an experience like this, uh, you know, when Santa came over to our house, and yeah, it was real. And uh, it was, uh, not to spoil it for anyone in the room, but you know, Santa, Santa, you know, he was real loose when I was about seven or eight, okay? And it, it was a... <laughs> It's a unique experience from my childhood, okay? I discovered a lot in that time about Santa. Here's the next one I came across, and I thought this one was perfect. It's like matching family. Everybody puts on the same jacket. I thought, man, wow, <laughs> raising them right back in the day, everybody. We were just, we were just raising them right. You know? Hey, Christmas, we're smoking it all the way to heaven, everybody, all right? <laughs> uh, it gets better, by the way, okay? And then, we got, then we got dad's glamour shot. Anybody remember glamour shots? <laughs> Woo! This is why I despise people who take pictures with their hand under their chin right there. Reminds me of those awkward glamour shots when we were kids. And then I decided just, you know, last year we had some fun with our staff and, and they decided to take some fun photos to inspire you to take Christmas photos. And so give me, give me the next one real quick. And it's like, this is, a, this is two of our ministers, by the way. We call this elf on a shelf tryouts, everybody. I got two more for you. Hopefully you can stay with me. This next one is uh, a whole church, a whole, a whole family that's almost in Wonderland. That's just awkward, right? Can you imagine someone mailing that to you? And, Merry Christmas. What do you do in your spare time? Well, we're floating on mushrooms. 
that's funny. I don't care what you say. Here's my last one. This is a legitimate story, legitimate story. This family sent this out of their Christmas card with a black eye. And when I saw it, I immediately thought, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. You know, like, like I, immediately, I immediately thought, now who sends out a Christmas card with a black eye? Awkward families do, right? And so uh, some of these are pictures of what our lives look like and our families look like. But he- here's the reality. What if back in the day, back in the day, what if when you took a photo, you know, back in the day, you could not actually see the digital photo. And so you're just snapping away and you never knew what you were going to get. You-, you went to your favorite beach trip. You went to your family, favorite family excursion and everyone's lined up and three people's eyes are closed and you can't do anything about it. And And I thought today, if all of us had these fixed moments in our lives, these fixed moments that we look back on where where everything went wrong in your family, where everything went sideways, and now you just, you have the photo. The reality is you're still fixed where the photo was taken. Your life, your heart, the way you think about them is still 10 years ago, 11 years ago, last year, seven months, however far back it was, you're still fixed in that moment. And I thought, man, what would it be like if, if God could do what digital photo editing can do today? Think about it with me today. You can take a photo with your iPhone. It's called a live photo and everyone's eyes can be closed and you can hit the little edit button and you can slide over to the millisecond before when everyone's eyes were still open. And you can hit save to that photo. And you can take the most awkward looking photos. Some of you, can I tell you, over the last few weeks, took some right here at One Hope Church, all right? And I thought I'd be gracious to you and not share them, all right? But, but we have them. I just want you to know. <laughs> what if we could do what God really can do? Edit that moment in your past and begin to change it for good. What if God could take the awkwardness in our lives, the broken areas of our lives, and really change them for good? I think he can. I think God has the ultimate ability to edit some of the most insecure, overwhelming moments of our lives. He has the ability to edit them for good, to turn them into moments that not only change our lives, but change other people's lives. But let me just tell you, there's a byproduct, there's a byproduct to the awkward family photo. There's a byproduct. I don't want to give you three of them today. I want you to jot some notes down with me. Here's the first thing that happens. When you start to think about what you're heading towards, you start feeling the distance. You start feeling it where you were denying it in the past. You just start to feel the distance like never, never before. In Job chapter 19 and verse 13, he says this. He says, my relatives, they stay far away. And my friends, they've turned against me. Why? Because Job was going through such a hard time that it was, fo- it was coming over every other part of his life. And so he was feeling the distance. And so this is what happens. It's like you get to about a week before, two weeks before Thanksgiving, and immediately you start saying, well, I haven't talked to them in seven months. I haven't called them or they haven't called me. I haven't heard from my, and you fill in the blank, I haven't heard from them and it's been this long. I have a young lady who calls me just about every Father's Day who's not my biological child to say Happy Father's Day because it's been most of her life that she's not heard from her father. And I think what a privilege it is that I get to be a part of God's edit. And I get to love her and care for her and be a part and close the distance that there is there. I want you to also know that that distance is really deceptive. A lot of times we feel further away than we actually are. We're actually way closer to them 
and really way closer to fixing the issue than we think we actually can. I recently was putting my young daughter to bed and uh, for whatever reason, she just was really clinging and she's just like wanted, wanted to be close with me and she just said, I, you know, I, I, wish, I wish I could just come to bed with you and mom and I wish I could be by y'all and, and, and it just clicked in, in the moment that, that her physical bed is leaning against the same exact wall as my bed and I literally said to her, I said, Liv, you realize that I'm right there, that if the wall wasn't between us, you could touch me. She kind of looked at me. I said, she said, so if I need you, I could just knock on the wall. I said, if you need me, you could just knock on the wall, but don't. (laughs) The distance we feel is deceptive, but that's what we feel. That's what we feel in those moments. The second thing that starts to happen in our lives as we're heading towards this is we start fearing the disturbance. We start fearing the uproar and how it's going to go and what it's going to look like and and who might walk out and who might storm out and who might say this and who might say that. And we start, it actually starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we imagine small things to be really massive things. We begin to kind of imagine the conversations we're going to have with grandma and, and she's going to ask, you know, or, you know, why aren't you married yet? I have a good response to that. I don't think it's a godly one, so I don't recommend it, but I'll give it to you just for fun, everybody. I usually say when they ask me, you know, have you found this spot? I said, you know, you know, have you bought your burial plot yet? Don't do that. Don't, that's bad, okay? Don't do it. But in the moment, it changes the conversation drastically. <laughs> Deuteronomy 28, 66. If you use that line with your grandma, here's what will happen. Deuteronomy 28, 66 says, your life will constantly hang in the balance. <laughs> and you, you will live night and day in fear, unsure if you will survive. But I think for many of us, this is a real fear. We're heading into the situation wondering, 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 who's going to be the one to light the bomb? Who's going to be the one? And then we're trying to make sure we're not the one, and so we think, maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe I shouldn't be involved. Maybe I, and you start, just fear begins to build, and it's an unhealthy emotion. Do You know that fear most often is a lie. It's a lie that the enemy drops in our hearts and lives and tries to take the place of truth in our lives. I love the old definition. It's an acronym of fear. It says it's false evidence appearing real. And when you're going into a situation with overwhelming fear, you're going into that situation uh, allowing the enemy to drive your emotion rather than the truth, rather than God allowing him to drive the emotion. Here's a third thing that happens. We feel the, dis- the distance, we fear the disturbance, but then we also find everything more difficult. It's like even cooking the mac and cheese that you're supposed to bring that day is more complicated. It's just like everything just gets a little bit harder to motivate yourself. And today, I want you to know that you can break that cycle of feeling like everything's just going to be harder and harder and harder. But I also want you to know that Proverbs 18, 19 says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. And arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. But here's the deal. You don't have to stay there. You can go past the distance. You can go past the the disturbance and the fear. You can get over the difficulty and allow God to edit your awkward family moment. 
And if you'll let God begin to edit it in your own life, the way you think, the way you talk, the way you engage with people will change dramatically because you won't be driven by the distance. You won't be driven by what happened back then. You won't be overwhelmed by the the feelings of difficulty. No, no, no. You'll sense that you have the power of God to change everything. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 43. I think it should be a life verse for some of you. He says, but forget all that. Can you say those four words with me? But forget all that. One more time. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. I love how God speaks like God. Come on, sometimes we diminish God as if he's like us. He says, nothing's gonna compare to what I'm about to do. Like you haven't even imagined. You have no idea what God could do in your family if you allow him to. First, it will begin with us, absolutely. I love the next line. He says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. It started maybe for some of you right here today. God has begun to do something in your heart and mind. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And the wild animals in the field will thank me. Your family, the wild animals, everybody, they will thank me in the field. They will thank you, the jackals and the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so that my chosen people can be refreshed. Today, what I want and hope for you the most is that in this season, rather than it feeling like what was, that you would send something fresh and new in this season. And can I tell you, this happened in my life. I grew up one of six kids with lots of hand-me-downs and lots of things, you know, like Christmas was always a little awkward. We would ask for things, but always felt like there were limits and always felt like it was putting undue stress on our family. And in, in my big family, yes, there was a huge divide because my father decided to break from our traditional religion. And when he broke from that traditional religion, it created such a divide in our family that we would come into holidays knowing, knowing that it was going to be extreme and wild and crazy. And so because of that, as a young boy, I began to ingest all that, and I just started despising the holidays. And then come along my beautiful wife, who just had like delightful Christmas. They always gathered by Aunt Ronnie's, and they, you know, had great food, and, and, and all the people who didn't want to be around the other people, they would just kind of separate themselves and go home for naps. Come on, everybody, right? <laughs> it's an inside joke. Thank you, Ronnie, for laughing, but and she always, she was like, why, why are you so upset about Christmas? Like, well, there's so much pressure. And, and my wife would be like, what are you talking about pressure? What do you, what do you mean? You know, like, there's financial pressure. And we, because, you know, I was a youth pastor. We weren't making any money. You know, like, you're doing all these things. You're trying to, try to put it all together. And then what I realized is that I was allowing what had happened to me to define how I was living now. And so my perspective in the future was that it's always going to be that way. And then one day, God did something in me. And he began to change the way that I approached people and the way that I dealt with the awkwardness and, and, and the feelings. And can I just tell you, I live so differently than I used to live. About midway in our marriage, took me about eight years to be convinced, everybody. <laughs> I mean, y'all know the pastor needs Jesus too, right? <laughs> eight years, but about midway in our marriage, something just changed. And all of a sudden, I began to get excited for the day. 
I think some of it may have been actually having my own children and realizing that I didn't want them to feel about Christmas and holidays like I felt about them. And, and so we begin to just have fun. And I remember filming the first time that like Caleb opened his big fire truck and his little three-year-old voice was running around, I got a fire truck, I got a fire truck. You know, like all, all this begin to change the way that I saw it. And can I tell you now, I love this season. I, I mainly love it, not because I get a lot, because I get to see the faces of what we give. I get to see, probably more than all of you, the impact we have together. And it brings joy to my life. It changed the way that I feel about this, and that's what I want more than anything for you. We have a saying around here, kind of behind the scenes, when it comes to dealing with awkward moments. And, and, and this is the saying, I'll put it on screen for you, is that leaders see the awkward and they fix it. Leaders, they see the awkward and they fix it. What most people do is they see the awkward and they walk right by it. <laughs> they add more awkward to the awkward. We have a saying around here that leaders, when they see the awkward, they just fix it. And so they walk by and there's trash on the ground. You know what a leader does? They don't walk by the trash. They just pick up the trash. When a leader comes by and sees something that's out of place, they they don't look at it and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's happening. What are they going to do about that? No, no. A leader just engages with the situation. It's It's something we say behind the scenes all the time. And I begin to think about this simple line. What would it look like? What would it look like if you and I thought this way about our families? So today I want to give you four practical things that I think will help you to approach your family very differently in this season, that will help you to engage with them differently, that will change your approach, because I believe, number one, that God has called you and I to be the leader. I know some of you are like, no, 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 pastor, you don't know, that's, that's so-and-so in my family. No, as a follower of Jesus Christ, God has called you to impact the world. A leader doesn't mean you're better than them. A leader doesn't mean you have all the answers. A leader simply says you're willing to go first. You're willing to engage with the situation first rather than waiting for somebody else. You're willing to get involved. When grandma starts to talk about this or go this direction, you're going to be the leader to say, no, 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 hey, we're going. Can we talk about this instead of that? Hey, grandma, have you heard about my new job? Have you heard about the great church that I'm a part of? Have you heard about you lead the conversation rather than live with the reaction to their conversation? I know so many of us, leader sounds like this kind of high position. Listen, leader just simply means being one step ahead of somebody else. And all you have to do to be the leader is to take that step ahead of them and say, hey, come with me this way. Today, I want to encourage you in this season with your family, rather than laying back, I want to encourage you to be the leader, to step out and to make a difference with your words. Here's what Proverbs 18 and 20 says, wise words satisfy like a good meal, and the right words bring satisfaction. God is going to give you the words you need in this season to bring life to your family. I'm telling you, if you open your heart, there will be moments where you prayed on the way to that family encounter, and God will lead you. He will give you the words in the moment to be the leader. Proverbs 18 and 21 goes on to say, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What is he saying? Those who love to use their tongue wisely will eat the fruit of it. And so what I'm encouraging you to understand is that leadership actually begins with your example, but often ends with your mouth. And so in this season, you have the power to go in and lead the way and say, hey, it's so good to see you. 
So good to be with you. I'm so excited. Set the tone. Go in and be excited to be in the house. Man, I can't wait to eat those green beans again. Oh, don't say again. Y'all understand the difference, right? It's the subtle things that we say that are digs and jabs. And what I want to encourage you to do this season is to be the leader, to set the tone, to go first, to say, hey, I love you. To say, I'm there for you. I'll walk with you. Hey, I'm excited to be with you, Grandma. And when I begin to do this, you know what I found? Is I begin to set the tone for the family gatherings. And as you set the tone for the family gathering, you begin to, you begin to change the environment. You know what comes back? you begin to find life-giving words given back to you. Here's the second thing I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to fix the awkward. Fix the awkward, all right? And so if you walk by and there's one piece of pie on the tray, that's awkward, everybody. How many of y'all know? One piece of pie should not be there by itself, amen? One piece of pie demands that it be eaten. Can I get a better amen? So if it's a whole pie, wait for everybody else. If it's one piece, it's yours, okay? Fix the awkwardness of that piece of pie. And I want you to notice, though, that I didn't say fix the person. I, I, I didn't say fix all the problems in your family history. I just said what, whatever in that moment has gone wrong, instead of letting it go wrong, just change it. One of the awkward family photos that I found that I didn't put up there was a family that put, uh, submitted a, a, a photo of the turkey for Thanksgiving. And, and they tried to, to use a fryer for the first time, and they did a poor job and lit the thing on fire. And the turkey was on the full tray, and it was black as black can be. And they said, Grandma said we ruined Thanksgiving. That was the line. So in that moment, you have a choice, right? You either lose it right there in that moment, or you go ahead and peel back that charred skin, right? And you eat the white turkey, everybody, right? No, follow me. So, so sometimes we, we allow the moment to get out of hand. I'm trying to be very, very practical with you guys. And also bring a little humor to the situation because here's the reality. Some of us, in order to fix the awkward, we're gonna have to choose forgiveness before we get there. We're going to have to say, you know what, no matter what they say, I'm going to say what's right. No matter what they do, I'm going to love them in the moment because I'm going to change the trajectory of my family. I'm not going to live like this any longer. I, I, I carry, you carry an anointing of God as a Christian to change the trajectory of your family. You can fix the awkward. I love the words of Martin Luther, famous reformationist. He said that forgiveness is releasing a prisoner and realizing the prisoner was you. In this season, I want you to take the chains off before you get to the meal. I want you to choose that you're going to embrace this heart of forgiveness and grace and life. You're going to go into it with a different mindset. You're, gonna, you're not going to have the expectation that it's all going to be something that's crazy and big. No, no, no. You're going to have the expectation that God is going to meet you while you're there. If you'll do this, it will begin to change the way you feel. It'll change the way that you interact. It'll change the way that you, you push into these moments. I love how Romans chapter 12 says it. It says, live, live in harmony with one another. Y'all know that harmony is a big word right there. If you know anything about music, to sing in harmony is not easy. You have to really know what the other person is going to do. You have to know the key well. You have to know your part well. And you have to sing in harmony. He said, I want you to live your lives in harmony with one another and do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of, say that word with me, everyone. Well, that's a tall order. But I love the next four words, 
if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, would you read it with me? Live at peace with everyone. See, the mandate of God in this season is that you and I, you and I would find a way to move forward, that we would find a way to fix the awkward and really find harmony. And if you'll do this, if you'll be the one who walks in with this mindset, it will begin to change everything in your future family gatherings. I've got two more. Anybody interested in two more? I hope you are. I'm going to give them to you anyway, all right? All right. Number three, number three, I want to encourage you to set some boundaries in this season. This is where some of us, we go awry. We know that everywhere and every time about this hour is when the meeting goes south. Well, then you may have to decide to leave a little bit early before the meeting goes south. Can I get a better amen, right? Like if you know that, that everyone's going to kind of get to a point where maybe they've had a few too many drinks and then that's when all the bad stuff says, you said a, you a go home line, right? And you say, you know what? I don't participate with these things. I learned this very, very well as a youth pastor. When you're trying to teach young uh, men and women how to live a godly life, you, you tell them, listen, if, you, if you'll get away from the opportunity, then you'll never make the mistake. So I used to tell young men and women if they wanted to avoid premarital sex that they should just never go anywhere that they could get naked. Burger King, you're, you're fine, you know? No worries, you know? Just ne never be in a place that you could present the opportunity. And so what I'm saying to some of you is that we need to be wiser in how we engage in these environments and set boundaries. Maybe you need to start a new tradition of showing up early and leaving a little early. Maybe you need to start a new tradition that allows you to engage with wisdom and understanding because some of us, some of us, everything we do may not change them. We don't want to change them. We want to, we want to change us. When you begin to set boundaries in your life, you begin to actually carry the peace and the grace of God. You begin to carry it in a different way and you begin to organize. No, no, I'm going to go like this. I'm not going to go like that. Hey, I appreciate you bringing that up, Grandma, but we're not going to talk about that today. Okay, love you later right? You begin to set the tone. Matthew 10, Jesus actually said to his disciples, he said, I want you to think about how you enter people's homes. And he's actually talking about how you bring the gospel. He says, when you enter the home, give it your blessing. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, just shake the dust off your feet. Now, I know I'm talking about the gospel and I'm actually talking about going to see your family, but I need you to understand that you can carry the peace of God into that situation. You can carry the peace of God. And if they don't want the peace of God, you can still carry that peace of God back home with you. And you can get back to your home and not be like, oh my gosh, I survived that. No, no, no. You can walk in see the fire and walk out without smelling like smoke, according to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You can live differently. You can, you can. Henry Cloud famously wrote the book called Boundaries. He says, you get, church, what you tolerate. It's a hard line. But for some of us, what the best thing you can do is to set some healthy boundaries on how you're going to engage and how you're going to move through this season. Here's the last, and we close and pray together, all right? Number four, I want to encourage you to see them through the eyes of God. This is the biggest one for me. Can I tell you? I, I, I'm, by personality, easy with boundaries, 
by personality, I like to go first. The leader thing, fixing the awkward thing, that's just kind of like, that's like DNA for me. But this one, number four, this is a tough one. Because my tendency, can I just tell you my sin nature? Can I be honest? Can I confess to y'all today? See, without the grace of God, my sin nature doesn't see you well. My sin nature sees people for what they've done rather than who they could be. See, it's the grace of God that caused me to see myself differently. And it's the grace of God that's caused me to begin to see other people differently. Instead of, instead of going in, seeing them as if they're going to be the one to harm me once more or seeing them for the lowest common denominator. No, I begin to see them through their potential. I begin to see them for what God says they can be. I begin to speak to what they could be, what our family could be like, what it, what it could feel like here if only we did. Y'all follow me today? And listen, it's when we open our mouths that we begin to lead by example. Say, no, no, no. Hey, we're going to pray for this meal. Would y'all allow me to pray for this meal? I remember, I remember the time I, I used to, you know, play and lead worship a little bit more. I'm not good enough to join the team. They won't let me, but uh, I still want to sometimes. And I started, I, that, that year I started learning some Christmas songs. Can I just tell you, I was bad at them. You ever been bad at something? No? I'm the only one? Okay, thanks. And that year I showed up and every year one of my cousins would bring a violin that was out of tune and he would play that thing and it would harm me. Can I just tell you? It was painful. I've got video. I didn't bring it, but I've got video. And that year I said, I'm bringing the guitar and I'm going to offer to sing Christmas carols rather than doing that awful, awkward thing we do every year. And can I tell you, it was great. They let me do, sang, I did... Yeah, I did pretty good. Joy to the world, you know. Went through, the, through, through my songs. And then afterwards, the violin came out. <laughs> and I learned a lesson that day. And that is that it's going to take time to change. So the first time you do something, it's not going to change everything. But you can choose. You can choose how you see them, how you engage with them. And I wrote this line. I want you to hear this. You, you can be their victim or you can be their voice of hope. As you go into this season, you can, be, you can be what's been done to you or you can rise above it and be the voice of hope. Matthew chapter 9 and 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest, your family, the harvest is great, but the workers, the leaders are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send you into the field. Today, I need you to understand this, that God saved you for a reason. He saved you to be a leader, to, to fix the awkward in your family, to set some healthy boundaries, some new traditions, but to begin to see and call out in them what God has said they will be. And when you do this, you will be a leader. You will be a leader that God intended you to be in your family. Can we pray together as we close? Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here today. God, I pray that in these moments, you would begin to minister to our hearts a grace and a peace to see people the way that you want us to see them, to see our family differently. God, I thank you for every person here today. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you're far from God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, today you can come close to him. 
You don't have to worry about what happened. You don't have to worry about the past. You don't have to worry about what you've gone through. Today, in one moment, you can pray a prayer of sincere faith and your life can be changed in Jesus' name. That's you today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand or come to the front. If you're here today and you're far from God and you want to get close to him, would you whisper these words? Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.